Okay, shalom everybody, shalom everybody here, Shavua Tov. We are getting ready for Purim, we need some preparations for Purim Bezat Hashem. The, the Megillah says, it says, Vimei Purim, uh, I forgot exact wording, is Naasim Bechol Dor Vador. It says in the Megillah, chapter 9, towards the end, that the miracle of Purim is done every year. The simple meaning is that we do a memory, a commemoration for Purim every year. That's what we do according to Allah. We have the obligation to do the festival of Purim, to hear the Megillah, to do all the mitzvah of Purim. But the wording is, That's the word of the Pasuk. Mm-hmm. In the days of Purim, are remembered and done every generation. What does that mean? That means that, means that the activation of the miracle of Purim also is done every year. Not just, uh, it was like we're, we're doing something to commemorate what was done in the past, but we're actually reactivating every year the Purim miracle. You can activate the Purim miracle if you do enough preparation, enough davening, and Bezat Hashem, get into the Simcha mode of Purim. So a few things to do as a preparation. We said this many, many times, but always, there's always insights when, you, when we go into this. The Maggid of Mizrich, he explains the Halacha. The Halacha says, Kola poshet yad notnimlo. Anybody who sticks out their hand for tzedakah on Purim, you give to them. That's the Halacha. You have your neighbor, he has a Rolls Royce, he has a giant mansion, three... three three-door garage, he has a Ferrari, Lamborghini, he has good money, and he's going around collecting on Purim, you don't say, I know this guy, he has money, what's he collecting money for, what is this? This, this freeloader, cheapskate, whatever, what is this, no? This charlatan, no, you don't say that, on Purim, anybody you ask, you give, how much you give, it's a different story, but you give to everybody on Purim, okay? So the Maggid and Mizrach says, the exact same thing is between man and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Anybody who sticks out their hand to Hashem, in other words, there's the halacha, kola poshet yad notnimlo, that's the word of the Gemara. Anybody who sticks out their hand on Purim, you give to them. But it also applies between man and God. Whoever sticks out their hand to Hashem on Purim, Hashem gives. The doors are open, okay? So because of this, there's a very strong custom in Brestov, if you want to say, to make sure to get up extra early and to do some hitbodidut, some davening, to request to Hashem what you need, things that are bothering you. Someone in the family doesn't have a child and they're waiting for years. There's a shidduch problem, there's a health issue, there's a shalom bite issue, there's financial issues, health issues. And then spiritually, you're not, you're not successful in getting up on morning on time for davening. You have this type of problem and this type of shmeta brit and all the things, you let it out on porn. You let it out on, the, on, on porn. So that they do, the, the customers do it nighttime. So however, this year, I felt a little, there's something we're always skipping over. What are we skipping over? The halacha of giving matanot levyonim is when? It's not on the night of Purim. It's on the day of Purim. And the Maggid of Mizrach is drasha. It's a nice drash. Right? It's the Maggid of Mizrach talking, not nobody else. This is the student, the main student of Baal Shem Tov, which means his chidushim can go all the way. Which means what? If now... The mitzvah of giving tzedakah and Purim is on the day of Purim. So his chidush of davening to Hashem should also be on the day of Purim and not just the night that they, they, the people do. Because that's the whole idea. When does that take place? 
When is the mitzvah of Kol Kol Shetiot? Not before Alot HaShachar. If you look at the Shulchan Aruch, if you give tzedakah before Alot HaShachar, you, give it the, you didn't do the mitzvah yet. The mitzvah starts in the day. From Alot HaShachar until Shkia, that's when the mitzvah of giving tzedakah Matanot Avinu takes place on, on Purim. So too, in the analogy here, it makes sense that the davening that Hashem accepts would be more in the day. To support it, when a person is themselves, okay, it's very hard for them to express what's in their heart. You, you try to eat bodhidut, it's hard. You try to, to, to give time, I'm going to, take, I'm going to do 15-20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour to try to talk to Hashem, you will find that it's not so easy. On Purim, with the being drunk and the happiness, what's the whole idea of drinking on Purim? Nichnas yain, yatsasod. That when the wine comes in, the person's kishkas come out, the person's essence comes out. Okay? That means <clears throat> the way a person expresses himself on Purim is no other way than in the rest of the year. He's so open about what's inside of him. He's sometimes even embarrassed what he said. First person, when they get drunk, they start saying things that they don't want people to know about, right? And it starts, starts coming out. But by a good Jew, a, a good Jew means a sincere, honest Jew who tries to connect to Hashem every day of his life. What comes out on Purim? What comes out on Purim is all of his inner yearnings and desires. I've seen many, many times breast livers. I mean, that's why I saw breast livers getting drunk on Purim. And they start crying and confessing. And they cry out farther from Hashem. Last year at a guy in their house, he was nonstop crying. All I want is to be a good Jew. All I want is to be a good Jew. He was crying and crying. And I was hugging him on Purim. He, he was Zohar to be drunk. I wasn't Zohar to be drunk. He was drunk and he's like, All I want is to be a good Jew. All I want is to serve Hashem. I want to serve Hashem. And he started crying and crying and crying. Okay? That's the beauty, the power of Purim. That in good people, good people mean people are trying to serve Hashem, their inner desire comes out. So it makes sense, yes, to do also Hidbodidut on the day of Purim in the drinking, and this, let it come out. You're supposed to be happy, it's true. But like we said, if you remember in Rav Nosson's prayer, that by confessing to Hashem, you come to a high level of simcha. It's also the case. You see, look, this Tanit Esther before Purim. It's not by chance, okay? We do the fast of Esther to commemorate that the battle against Amalek, that's why the whole world has to do the fasting on the 13th. Even Jews live in a place like Shushan Purim, which is, for example, Yerushalayim, okay? So the fasting there is because we're fighting Amalek. We're in the middle of the battle, okay? But in this fasting, it's a, it's a day of tshuva. That means when, this, when, the Jewish sold, when the Jews were fighting against Amalek in the time of Mordechai and Esther, when they went to fight, they, did, they weren't like, ha, 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 I'm going to kill you. <laughs> they weren't like, you know, jolly and happy. They were also in trepidation. They're also crying out to Hashem. They should succeed. That's why they were fasting. What's the idea of a fast? You fast in order to earn Hashem's heaven's tip on the scale to help you, Bezat Hashem, to win the battle. So tshuva and submission is needed on Tani Tester. Once, Rav Nosin, because in, in, in Ukraine, Ukraine is, the, is, is Chutzlaretz, like the rest of the world, they do Purim the night after Tani Tester. So once Rav Nosson saw his main disciple, Rav Nachman Tuchener, coming to the shul in Breslev, already, you know, for Mincha of the fast of Tani Tester, right before Purim, he came with his strimals, I mean, they didn't have strimals, they were all poor back then. He came ready, happy with his Megillah. So Rav Nosson said to him, you know, it's not Purim yet. We're still 
in battle. We're still waiting. It's still a serious mode in a sense on the fast of Esther. Okay, so here also, if you have the fast of Esther properly, Rav Nosson says in his prayer. Rav Nosson wrote a beautiful prayer. I hope you saw it. It's prayer thirty-seven, part two of the Kutet Filot. He says there, Rav Nosson, I should be zoche in the slichot of Tanit Esther to be able to feel the pain of my sins. You hear this? I should be zochet to feel the pain of my situation, and as a result, I should be zochet on the slichot of Tanit Esther, lizok zaka gdola umara. Look at his wording there, you see in the prayer there. I should be zochet, I should have the merit to really express what's in my heart. And then Hashem, you should save me. And he says, even Rav Nosen, you should save me from myself. Because who's my biggest enemy, Rav Nosen says? Me. The Amalek within me is my biggest enemy. It's not this one and that one. He's causing me problems and he's causing me problems and, that, that, and this anti-Semite and this and that. That's, there could be Amalek outside, but the main Amalek is the Amalek inside, like we said. The one, the Amalek within. The Amalek who's the, the, the one trying to make you feel down and dejected and negative and bad, which just pushes you to feel even farther from Hashem. This is what we express on Tani Tester. The pain of my sins that I can't, st- it hurts me Hashem, it hurts me what I'm going through, it hurts, it hurts me that I am as I am, that I'm so far from you Hashem, I'm far from Emuna. I'm far from Torah, I'm far from your Shemayim, I'm far from straightforward, simple devotion, when we all have what to feel bad, because always you look at the previous generation, and you always see that they were better than you, ah, they had such Tmimud then, they were so pure, they were so this, because every generation is what's called Yeridata Dorot, the generations go down. So automatically, when you see your elders, the, one, the ones older than you, you see that there's a big gap between where you are and when they, where they are. Even sometimes you felt you were better, more learned, more religious, more from. But still, when you look back, you see they had qualities that you don't have. They had qualities in Simchat HaChaim, in happy in life, in straightforward Emunan Hashem, that I just simply don't have, right? So we have what to compare to feel bad about that I, I want to be somewhere and I'm not. This is what comes out on Tani Tester. This is what's supposed to come out. And Rav Nosin hints that according to how much you're able to express what's in your heart on Tani Tester, that's what will give you the Simcha boost of Purim. So in other words, Purim is dependent on Tani Tester. Okay? In other words, you taking this, the fast seriously, good. They say in Breslov that when a fast comes your way, Take it like a good cake. In other words, Rabbi Nachman was against optional fasting. He was against those people who want to do self-mortification and fast from Shabbat to Shabbat or op- 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 optional fasts. The fast that's halakhically required, we don't, we don't speak about. But to optional fast, he was against because your, your loss is more than the gain. You're trying to gain tshuva and repentance, but in the end, your whole daily schedule went off. You're so hungry afterwards, you eat like an animal, you eat even more than usual. In other words, you, you lose more than you gain. So, Chaval, he also, Rabbi Nachman was against fast. He said to anyone even who, ca- who, uh, who doesn't come to me for Rosh Hashanah should not fast. And anyone who does come to me for Rosh Hashanah has no need to fast. <laughs> so, whichever way, there's no fasting done. No, no fasting needed, okay? No fasting needed. So, but the halachically required fasts, which are five, Right, you have Tzom uh, Gedalia, Asar Betevet, Tanit Esther, Yudzayin Betamus, Tisha B'Av, Yom Kippur, six. Sorry, right. So also that when those fasts come, 
we grab them like a good cake. When the fast come, not just start try to find all types of head tearing and leniencies. Oh, my head hurts and this and that. You know, try to be strong and do the fast. Unless it's a, it's a real excuse. Okay. So the fast of Tani Tester, it that's what determines how your poem will be visited. And he saw that in the prayer of Nosson's prayer 24, that I should confess what I'm going through. And this should bring me to big simcha. We said that if you remember in the prayer, Rav Nassim's prayer, prayer 24, okay? So this is an amazing idea, that we have this power. Now, one more thing, because we're, we're in Yerushalayim. The rest of the world, they're not in Yerushalayim, but we're in Yerushalayim. What does it mean we're in Yerushalayim? Yerushalayim is different than the rest of the world. There are some cities in Eretz Yisrael that do like Yerushalayim, but they also do like the rest of the world. Sfat, for example, they keep both days of Purim. Because it's a safek, it's a doubt, if Tzfat is like Yerushalayim. What does it mean to be like Yerushalayim? Just to explain. The halacha says that any city that is walled from the time of Joshua, when Yeshua Binun conquered Eretz Yisrael, if there was any city in Eretz Yisrael which was walled at the time, so they keep Purim like Shushan. What was Shushan Purim? The Megillah says that Esther requested from Achashverosh to give the Jews in Shushan Abira an extra day of war, an extra day to fight their enemies. Why? What does that mean? Because there were more enemies in Shushan. The Jews had more Amalek enemies living in Shushan. So she saw Esther that on the 13th of Adar, which was the day issued by the king that the Jews, that the Jews went to fight their enemies, it wasn't enough still to kill off all the enemies in Shushan, so he asked them to give another day, and then the Megina says that they killed, how many people were actually killed on the second day, how many enemies of the Jews, Amalekites, were killed on the 14th. That's why the Jews in Shushan celebrate on the 15th of Adar, the rest of the world is the 14th. But cities, what? We should have two. No, we, have, we should have two fast days, but we can't hold two fast days. We should fast on the 13th and fast on the 14th, and then celebrate on the 15th. But we can't fast on the 14th. Plus, the rest yeah, of the world is not huh? So let's explain. What it does mean is, is first of all, we have to we want, I'll explain more details. Galacha says any city which is walled from the time of Yeshua Binun is equal to Shushan Purim. When we say they celebrate, first of all, what's the simple reason? In order to give honor to, to Eretz Yisrael, not to forget Eretz Yisrael, okay? Not to forget Eretz Yisrael. So we give honor to cities in Eretz Yisrael that are walled. From the time Yeshua Binun, they celebrate like the Shushan Boy. But it's deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. Who was Yeshua Binun? Yeshua Binun was the main disciple of Moshe Binu. Yeshua Binun was the one who went to fight Amalek. When it says, Tse, Hilachem Ba'amalek, right? Parashat B'Shalach. Moshe Rabbeinu sent Yeshua to fight Amalek. Did you ever ask, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu himself go to fight Amalek? Why did he send his disciple Yeshua to fight Amalek? Let Moshe Rabbeinu himself fight Amalek. If the Zohar answers, if Moshe Rabbeinu were to fight Amalek directly, then for sure there would be nothing left. And Hashem at the time, we know Rashi says that, that Amalek was not wiped out totally. Rashi says, quoting the Gemara, that Hashem told Yeshua, I told Moshe to tell Yeshua, stop the battle right now, leaving a few Amalekites there. It says, Vayachalosh. And Yeshua, he weakened Amalek in the battle. He did, killed many of them, leaving their numbers very few and very weakened. Until what time? 
until again they repopulated, repopulated, but past a few hundred years to the time of Shmuel Navi and Shaul Amelech, the Haftarah that we read in Parshat Zachor. Shaul, yes, he was now given the opportunity to wipe out Tor the Amalek, but he, his test, are you going to be the f- true disciple of Shmuel Navi, even your king of, of Israel? Are you going to still listen to Shmuel Navi? Or are you going to be swayed by the nation, which he was? He, he, passed, he failed the test. He listened to the, to, the, to the Jews who said, these are nice, fat, heavy cows. Let's, let's use them to shech them on, to, to the, on, as, as a korban to Hashem. The Agag, the king Agag, he's old. Why should we kill him? What's he going to do? And because he didn't kill him, what happened well, that night? The, the, the big cows of Amalek were actual shape changers. They were human beings. They were women. They were women Amalekites, and that night they had relations with Agag. Even though Agag was so old, you should know by a man, the, the anatomy of a man, you can still produce a child from a man even though he's 70, 80, 90. A woman may have menopause at 50, whatever, but a man can continue to have children, you know, you can, you can extract seed from him, 60, 70, 80. Uh, I'm a durian. I'm just saying that that's how it is in the anatomy of a man, okay? So Agag, as old as he was, he cohabited, he had relations with the women who were actual Amalekites and they were as the cows, okay? And they escaped. They were, they were, they were cows, whatever, mixed out. And from them came the, the, the descendants out, which led to Haman. Haman was descended from that relationship of that night that Agag was together with the cows, the shape-changing cows of Amalek. All of this because he didn't listen to, to Shmuel Navi. He failed the test. Yoshua was a, was a respectable, true student of Moshe Rabbeinu. He was out all the way. Hashem said, stop, now is not the time. The time will come with Shmuel Navi and Shaul HaMelech, and they, and they failed the test. And then the, the next test came by Mordechai and Esther to kill Haman and Amalek and the main Amalekites. Okay, fine. So they were given two days. Based on, so, sorry, so Yerushalayim is a city that was walled since the time of Yeshua Benun. So it compares to Shushan, meaning the challenges of Jews who live in a city walled from the time of Yeshua Benun is the challenge to fight Amalek. Our, <laughs> that's why it's so hard to live in Yerushalayim, by the way. The Arizal says something amazing. The Arizal says that you have four cities in Eretz Yisrael corresponding to the four elements. Earth, wind, fire, and water. Okay? Earth is Hebron. That's why Hebron is designated to bury people. That's why they're buried in, in Hebron are Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Because it's a place, Rashi says, it's a place of rocks. That's the, like the, the epitome, the essence of earth is rock. So that, that's a place for burial. That's why you use it to bury people. Okay, that's earth. Wind. Wind is like uh, air. They say that's Tzfat. Tzfat is like uh, in the clouds and everything. On a joking level, people in Tzfat, they're, like, they're flying. They're in the air. They're in the air. If you, if you look at the rooftop of the Arizal Shul in, in Tzfat, and also the breast of Shul Tzfat, they painted clouds to remind you, here everybody's in the air. Everybody's flying. That's why many hippies and people are like into drugs and stuff and, you know, Karla Bach style people, good people, but you know, they like going to Tzfat. Tzfat is the place for people to be in the mountains and the sky and flying. Man, you ask somebody in Tzfat, do you know where the street is? No, I don't know. That person lives in Tzfat for 20 years. Can you help me where the street is? I don't know. So how do you want to go? Well, you know, you make a left, you make a right, and then he's down there. And everyone knows the streets just by, you know, everybody's there. there. Baruch Hashem. 
They're good people, but they're there's ananim, bananim. They say in Hebrew, anashim shama bananim. People there are on, on the clouds. Okay, that's tzfat. Water humidity is tveria. That's why you end up soaking wet if you walk in a regular summer day. You can't walk on the street in tveria. You can't in tveria. Maximum five minutes without 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 a, without a what's it called. Mazgan, without air conditioning, you'll, you'll, you'll disintegrate. It's so humid because of the kineret, so it's water. And your sholayim is fire. What do you mean fire? Here, it's tough. Ask anybody, your sholayim, it's not like Beit Shemesh, it's not like Beit Tar, it's like living outside of your sholayim, where things are calm and the birds are chirping and everything. Your sholayim is, hey man, you gotta be, you gotta be up to date. It's action, it's activity. In the spiritual level, here, people fight, the fight of Amalek is even stronger in Yerushalayim. That's why it's not easy to live in Yerushalayim. And places which are like Yerushalayim, because we are walled from the time of Yeshua Binun, meaning we represent, Baruch Hashem, I'm speaking with pride, we in Yerushalayim represent those who battle Amalek, those who are the Eliyahu of Yeshua Binun. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor for a Jew to be in Yerushalayim. It's an honor, it's, it makes sense that a Jew lives in Yerushalayim, can say we have an advantage over the rest of the world because of what we have to go through. To live here, it's fire. It's mamash fire and it's a battle of Yerushalayim of Hamalek every day. The reward we get is on Purim. We get the reward on Purim that we do Purim on the 15th. The 15th of the month is the, is the middle of the month. 14th, which is Purim for the rest of the world, it's not yet the, the complete solar... Uh, the, what's it called? The cycle of the moon being complete, like the sun, the, lo- the lunar cycle is every month. When is the, month, the, the moon at its maximum shining? On the 15th, not at the 14th. The 15th is when the moon shines completely. What does the moon represent, by the way? Pnei Moshe kipnei Chama, Pnei Yehoshua kipnei Levana. The Gemara says that Moshe's face was compared to the sun. The tzaddik Moshe Rabbeinu was shining light like the sun. And who's Yeshua? Yeshua is like the moon. What's the moon? The moon has no light of itself. The light that you see on the moon is the moon reflecting the light of the sun. Okay? So, so too, Yeshua Benun, he was such a committed disciple that he was reflecting totally. His whole essence, like when Yeshua is a full moon. Yeshua Benun represents a full moon. That he's a, a totally dedicated disciple the late, like the Zohar says, the late migarma klum. The moon has no light of itself. So to a Talmud, a true Talmud, he looks at himself, I have nothing of my own. Everything I have is from my Rebbe, my Tzaddik. I'm just a Talmud. I'm just a Talmud. This, by the way, was Rav Nosen's advantage also. Rav Nosen was born on Tu Bishvat also when the moon is completely full. And Rav Nosen's greatness how we have Rabbi Nachman's teachings till today is thanks to Rav Nosen. Rav Nosen's greatness is he made himself totally empty for Rabbi Nachman. Even though Rav Nosen was an accomplished Tamit Chacham, Tzadik, you name it, before he came to Rabbi Nachman, he made himself empty to receive from this Tzadik. Because he saw that everything he had is compared to nothing to what he can, re- to what he can receive from this outstanding, unbelievable Tzadik. So too, the idea of Yoshua is connected to Shushan Purim. There's a whole story, by the way, you can see it in the book, Too Far and Water, of Rav Nosen's beginning to be by Rabbi Nachman, his first Purim, and he was trying to be by Rabbi Nachman. 
and he was on the way and stuck with a lot of obstacles to get to Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman went to travel to East Ukraine, where they're fighting now. There's an area, there's a village there called Medvedevka. Where they're fighting now, the area, you have, there are a few cities where there were wrestlers, Kremenchag, Cherin, Medvedevka, Zlatipolia. These were cities that Rabbi Nachman was living in, in those areas. That's the East Ukraine, where now all the battle is and all the Balagan, whatever. They're getting towards that area, okay? So he was in Medvedevka to get his daughter married on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, his daughter Sarah, where Rabbi Nachman hinted that Mashiach will be one of their descendants. Rabbi Nachman hinted that the one of the things I accomplished of Hashem is that Mashiach will be one of my descendants. And he said, and it's fitting that he should be descended from my daughter Sarah, who was married on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So already two weeks before, he was already there for Purim. And Rav Nosen had major, major obstacles to get to him. And he made it to Rabbi Nachman on Shushan Purim. So Rabbi Nachman saw this in Ruch HaKodesh. While his chassidim were dancing, those who were with him, he said, my Yoshua, who's called Nosen, or my Nosen, who's called Yoshua, he wants to be by me for Purim, but in the end he's going to be by me for Shushan Purim. He's going to come with us for Shushan Purim, which is what happened. He came to, to, to Medvedevka after the Purim and made it to be with Rabbi Nachman for Shushan Purim. It was a very remarkable time because that's when Rav Nosen finished the writing of Lesson 6 in the Kutimran, which is considered one of the most fundamental lessons. And there were like Tachap Chidushim that Rabbi Nachman added on that, after that Purim in that time. And Rav Nosen wrote it down and he also developed his own his own insights. Going back to what we're saying, Shushan Purim is a big gift because after two days of battle of, of Ta'anit Esther, Yud Gimu, and Yud Dalet, then we have this amazing light. I tell people I always, the difference between Shushan Purim and the regular Purim is like the difference between Eretz Yisrael and Chutz Laretz. It's a totally different world. The person, you guys in Chutz Laretz, I hope you're listening, that to be in, in, in Yerushalayim for Purim is an experience that you've never in your life tasted. It's something you should in your lifetime experience Purim in Yerushalayim. It's a different world than anywhere else, even in Eretz Yisrael. So we spoke about a lot of things, okay? You to remember to express yourself on Purim. Tomorrow to also daven, to feel what you're going through in order to experience the Simcha Purim. And the, the, the final thing, like we always said, is that the main thing is the Simcha Purim, to get to that joy to get to that dancing, to be mamtik the dinim, to mitigate all the harsh judgments, Bezat Hashem. Okay. With that all said, we're going to continue finally. Whew. We went already 26 minutes. Not bad. We're going to continue now with Likutei Moran, Lesson 24, Paragraph number 3. Okay? We're in Paragraph number 3. We'll just go over this a little. I know it's pretty deep. I have another Chidush that came up now, Baruch Hashem. Before we go into this, you have to see the whole Torah. This is probably why it's a bit complicated, this lesson. There's a lot of Kabbalah and you get lost. If you know how this lesson works, the points, then you can have a clear picture. It's like this. Rabbi Nachman says that a Jew has to do the mitzvot with joy. When a Jew does the mitzvot with joy, he's able to extract holiness that's trapped in evil. Okay, and that, that reflects itself in many, many ways. If a person is also stuck in whatever he's stuck in life, doing mitzvot with joy gets him out. This, by, way, by the way, this is why Purim is such a big thing. Rav Nosen writes, I saw it yesterday, that Purim is the source of joy for the entire year. If you're zoche to activate joy on Purim, 
it brushes off to the rest of the year that you can be happy always. Because that's the main time of extracting the holiness from the klipot. Haman Amalek is the main klipa. And doing the mitzvot of Purim B'Simcha is no greater way than extracting any evil trapped, any holiness trapped in the realm of evil to get it out. This is the day. Purim is the day. So Purim does that as a big, big gift. That's why it, does, it fits in so much of our lesson of taking out the holiness trapped in the evil by doing mitzvot B'Simcha. This is especially true with Purim. I remember, unfortunately, when I was in Canada, he had these very square people. You know, they get up on time, they do the Megillah, and then they do the Mishloch Manot in Matanot Avinim, the Suda, and they're looking at the watch, they're waiting for Purim to finish already. You know, they, they did their mitzvot, but the one thing they forgot is to be happy. They did, like, did everything. They had the meal, they invited people, they drank a little wine, okay, they're a bit tired, they go to sleep, but they weren't happy. They did like mitzvot, like Purim was like another day, we did the mitzvot, we did the mitzvot to be yotze, to fulfill our obligations, and that's it. The but the joy, what? Missing the point. They missed the point. Rav Nosin points out, the main thing of Purim is the joy. And that's what you have to work to do, to get to, to be happy. Oh yeah, I'm really happy, I'm happy. But the guy goes back to his Tisha B'Av routine the, the next day. What, 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 what happy? What, how happy are you? Where, where is it happy? I read the Cherner Rav, he wrote a commentary on the Kutim Run. He said, a Jew doesn't say, Ech avar achag. How, how did you pass through the, the holiday? How, how was the holiday? In Hebrew they said, Ech avar. And, you know, how did you pass through? In Yiddish also they say it like that. So the chair of says, we know a Jew doesn't talk like that. How did the festival go through me and that's it? He goes, whoop, it goes through and that's it. It's supposed to stay and do something and change something and then you go on. What is this that the festival goes through? They say in Hebrew, it's, it's, it's easier in Hebrew to, to, to understand this. How did you go through the Chag? What is the Chag? It's supposed to make a change in you, right? So this is the main thing is the Simcha, the Simcha of porn. So the first stage of this lesson is, yes, that we do the mitzvah of the simcha. When you take out the mitzvah that was trapped, the holiness that was trapped, it now has the power to arouse the world back to Hashem. Whenever a Jew does any mitzvah with simcha, okay, with truly the simcha, it has the koach and strength to arouse the whole world back to Hashem. When you do this hit or a root, this brings down bracha, blessing. It brings down blessing to a person. However, the wise person will seek to get blessing of intellect. Not just fancy car, parnasa, you know, briyut, chayim. That's, that's, and when you have a bracha, that's what most people think about. In this lesson, he says, if you're smart, you'll aim high. Ask, if you have bracha coming down already, so then aim for the maximum. What is the maximum? To ask for the blessing of what's called birkata sechem. The blessing of intellect. What does it mean the blessing of intellect? To know Hashem better. To come closer to Hashem. That is the greatest blessing you can have. And that also includes in it automatically parnasa and health and everything. Because when you have chokhmah, right? Chokhmah brings wisdom to everything. Wisdom is the... It's a Gemara I just saw today, by the way. It's a Gemara and Yevamot, page 65, 64b. That Rav Huna would speak extensively. When Rav Huna gave a drasha, he would go on and on and on. And the disciples, or because they don't want to miss a single word, or they were too embarrassed, if they had to go to the bathroom to relieve themselves, they wouldn't. 60 students became sterile. They lost their ability to reproduce because of that. Even though it's, it's considered forbidden to do that, it's a sakana, it's dangerous for a person to hold himself in when they have to go to the bathroom. 
because they, they can become uh, sterile, they can lose their ability to reproduce. These 60 disciples, for whatever reason, or they got so involved in the Torah, they lost themselves because of it, or they were too embarrassed, they became, they became sterile, except for one. And the one said about himself, he was, he, what, what gave him life? He's, he quoted the Pasuk, because I, I aim for Chochmah, I was wise enough, I, because I'm, age, I'm always looking for wisdom, so Hashem gave me the wisdom what to do to take away the sterility, the danger. He, he felt the danger coming, so he said there was like a, a certain liquid that was come, was, he was emitting, which is the sign of the sterility, so he quickly did something to get rid of it. The Gemara says they hung him on a tree, and, and out came from him an emission that looked like a, the color of a palm branch, whatever, and that's how he was healed. And he said it's his wisdom that saved him. What's the point? Is that when you have the Chochmah of the Torah, when you have Sechel, you have automatically everything else. Hashem will give you the right mind what to do for Parnassah, for Chinuch of the children, for health, for Shalom Bayit. It'll come to you if you have the Bikata Sechel, okay? And then he says, Rabbi Nachman, but it's not enough to have the Sechel. You can't just walk of Sechel, you need to join it with Emuna. It's, it, that's the beauty of a Jew. On one hand, we're, we have an obligation to learn Torah to learn, to learn, to learn, and to absorb. But then when it comes to serving Hashem, what do we do? We push everything aside, and we serve Hashem as if we have nothing. So you might ask, why then why spend time learning Torah, learning, 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 if at the end of the day, to daven, I don't need all this to daven. For davening, it's just emuna, it's just the heart, and concentration connecting the brain to the heart, and emuna, and that's it. So then why spend time learning Torah if, if Emunah is what's needed to serve Hashem? Because at the end of what the goal of learning Torah is what? Tshuva Masim Tovim. The goal of learning Torah is to be able to put on Tfilin and Davin. The goal of learning Torah is to have good Midot. It's for something else. And for that, it's mainly Emunah, which is, what, which is what's guiding a person. So why should I learn? Why have to invest so much, my brain so much in learning Torah? Let me invest more in Emunah and Emunah Emunah. Let me be a simple person with Emunah. So you need both. What Sechel does, what Int Torah does, it pushes you up, 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 up. Yes. Now that you're at a high level because of the Torah, and you're expected to serve Hashem from here, so now you're applying Emunah at this high level. And then you learn more Torah, you go higher and higher and higher, and then you're expected to serve Hashem at that new level, and yes, you put in Emunah at that new level. That's how it is always. You're going up. You don't get it? The Torah builds you up. Yes. When you learn a Gemara, a Mishnah, Shulchan Aruch, Zohar, Midrash, okay, there's the practical application, and there's also the midst of learning Torah. You're learning Tosfot, Rashi, whatever, even though it has no practical ramifications. What does it do? It has a major, major influence on your subconscious, on your neshama, on your nefesh. You don't see it exposed on the, on the exposed level, but it has a, an influence on you. It makes changes. Every bit of Torah that you learn makes a change. It makes a change inside. A change of advance. In other words, your perception of God is greater now. Your understanding of the world, of truth is greater. Your, your recognition of what's false is greater. Before, oh, 10 years ago, I was so naive. I was so stupid. Why, why do people say that? Why do people say 10 years ago, 20 years ago, oh, I made such stupid things, stupid mistakes, and I was so naive and everything? Because it had less dot. When you have more dot in life, right? You realize that was a mistake, that was a mistake, that was stupid, everything. And it grows. And all the more so if now, you're not just advancing in, ye in, age, in years, in age, but you're advancing in Torah knowledge. So for sure you're, you're getting a more of a Kenyan of the dot, and your clarity in life is clear. Now with all that clarity, you've been boosted. 
Now, at every level that you are, whether you're the smallest shoemaker or you're Moshe Rabbeinu, we all have this obligation to dive into Hashem, to serve Hashem. And with serving Hashem, you don't need to be a professor to serve Hashem. A person can't say, oh, I'm, I'm a shoemaker, I'm a nobody, so I, don't, I can't do the lulav. I, don't, I can't do the lulav. You just know what to do. This is the bracha, you hold it, and you have in mind, this is the will of Hashem, period. You don't need to be an uber chocham, a, 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 a psychologist or a professor in order to do the lulav or to put on tefillin. Any Jew can do it, right? Everyone puts on tefillin. Whether he's a Rosh Hashiva, we don't say, oh, because he's a Rosh Hashiva, so he's exempt from putting on tefillin. We don't say that. He also has to put on tefillin. And the simple shoemaker has to make it to work at nine to open his store for all the clientele. And he works from nine to five. And he barely has time to learn some, some, some Torah, very minimum. And he has a very simple life and everything. Both of them... Have to daven at the day, at the end of the day, have to put on the tefillin, have to put on the tzitzit, okay? For that, what's needed, what's required? Emunah. However, there's difference in levels of Emunah. Emunah has billions of levels. Based on what? On your level of intellect. The more intellect you feed your, yourself, then when it comes time to serving Hashem, your platform that you're standing on is higher. Yes, you're going to need Emunah, but your perspective has changed because of the Torah that you absorbed. The thing is now, when it comes to actual practical application, I push everything aside, and it's simple amuna. But now, the difference is, I've, I've altered change where I'm holding because of the Torah. The, that's why it's important to learn. I have a high level of amuna if I do the right thing. This is the test of the biggest lamdanim. It's so hard for them to let go of the intellect when it comes to serving Hashem. They want to serve Hashem, they go on with the intellect, they continue. They think about sugyas and gemaras and everything while davening, about Hashem, the head is not there. That's, a te- that's their test. The test is to be able to push everything aside and serve Hashem like a little boy, like a tinuk, okay? Then when a person merits joining Emuna with Sechel, because he activated Bracha in the world, he's now ready to perceive the infinite light. And when that's ready, then they bounce a person back. That's the whole lesson, in short, okay? Whoa! Yeah, step yeah. by step, I did. Doing the Mitzvah B'Simcha, Gets the whole world to an arousal, arousal to Hashem. When you get the whole world to be aroused to Hashem, you activate bracha to come down to this world. And you are now a good recipient of the bracha. And you can choose what type of bracha you want. So Nachman suggests, choose the bracha of intellect, of sechel. The sechel of the Torah to perceive Hashem. That's the best bracha you can get. Once now you get the bracha of the sechel, <clears throat> you have to remember to, to, know how to, to know Hashem mm-hmm. of, of, of Torah intellect of Torah but now you can't use that 24-7 because when it comes to serving Hashem there's no intellect you push the intellect on the side so he says you have to couple join the intellect that you've received through the bracha with imuna. when you do that this is now the, the level that you're ready to receive a, percep- a perception of the orient of the infinite light. In order to do that, they bounce you back. That's the whole lesson. That's the whole lesson 24. So when did you so, get the light? Or you, huh? the light? you get the light when you accept the bounce Before back. The bounce ba- during the bounce back? They bounce you back. How you accept the bounce determines how much you receive the infinite light. You get bounced back. The thing is, how do you receive it? Rabbi says also, all this is important. Adil yada, you have to drink until lo yada. What does it mean, loyada? That you lose your head. You're drinking, drinking in order to perceive the infinite light on Purim. So we drink purposely so much, we do get drunk, which is most people, they can't stand how religious people get drunk on Purim. You know, you're such a, 
immaculate person, like a rabbi or a Tamit Chacham, and you are getting drunk on Purim, isn't it two opposites? Isn't the Torah to be respectable, to be humble, to you know be presentable, and all of a sudden you're drinking on Purim and you're making jokes and, and you're putting on a funny hat? Doesn't, doesn't that contradict what Judaism is about? The answer is no. This is the whole thing of Purim, is that we bypass the intellect. Rabbi Nachman says, in Lesson 5, Part 2, the Kutim Ram, that a Jew should be ready even to slide into the mud in order to serve Hashem. In order to serve Hashem, a person should be willing even to get into the dirt and the mud. If it's to serve Hashem, and I know it's the will of Hashem, I should be willing, if it's necessary, not to say, I'm not going to get a little dirty for this, I'm not going to do that. No! If I know this is the will of Hashem, 100%, this is the will of Hashem. Not 50-50, not 40-60, 100%, this is the will of Hashem. I'm willing to go all the way for Hashem. If it means even getting dirty, even beneath my dignity, this is what David Melech said to his wife, Michal. When David Melech was dancing and, make, and whistling and singing in front of the Hachnasat Aron HaKodesh, when the Aron was coming back to Yerushalayim, so it says David Melech was wearing a white bud, and he was dancing like a, like a lowlife. And his wife, she was the, was the daughter of Shaul HaMelech, Michal, she made fun of him. She mocked him, this is the way for a king of Am Yisrael to act, to be dancing and this, and acting very foolish and everything. What did he say to her? I, do, I would do even much more. If this is the will of Hashem, I'll do even much more for him. It's not beneath my dignity. If this is the will of Hashem, like to stand on your head and to do silly things, and I know it's the will of Hashem. And in this case, it's honoring the Torah, being happy and clapping and dancing and everything, singing because we're bringing in our own. I'm okay with it. And she she got punished for that. It says that she was at that point she couldn't have kids anymore. She lost it. At that point, she lost her ability to have kids. That was her punishment for mocking David Melech. She didn't have the merit to have any kids with him from that point on. Okay. So this is the so whole lesson. The next circle we, we didn't get there yet. Oh, okay. We're, I'm just giving you an outline. Well, you have to do that when you're in the middle of doing a void session? Not really. It happens. What do you mean? It happens. These are things that happen automatically you in life. Like when you when you do a void session, you can't mix your circle with it. It has to be with Amuna. Right? Amuna. Amuna is the, is the main... When you open your sitter, okay, and you're thinking about, about the intellect... Yeah, the, yeah the, also you're going into the intellect... So that's when you're supposed to connect the circle with Amuna, or that's totally something else? That's what I was trying to figure out. No, it, uh, it's uh, that emuna is the stage after you get sechel in life. Sechel happens before emuna. Emuna is when it comes to serving Hashem. There's no sechel now. It's only emuna. No emuna. The Rebbe said only emuna. Okay. With this a little, we can understand. Let's just go back to this. Uh, I know we're ranting very slowly. Yeah. So kishadam will say is a mitzvah. A person does any mitzvah. Paragraph three, right? Yes. Koach be'a mitzvah. The mitzvah has strength. Uh, the mitzvah has strength to go and arouse all the worlds to the service of Hashem. Like it says, right? It says, with our elders, with our young and our elders, we will go. Rabbeinu skips the middle of the pasuk with our, our sons and daughters. And then, I thought here's also a hint to two mitzvahs which this applies to very much in their everyday. The mitzvah of talit and tefillin. Because bakar is, you make from the skin of the bakar, you make the straps of the tefillin, the boxes, the parshiot. And from the wool of the tzon, you make the tzitzit, okay? And who does these two mitzvot? 
נערים וזקנים. בנים ובנות הפטורים, בן is a little boy's פטור from תפילין and תלית, and a bat is exempt. So those, who are those people who are, who are, who are in the mitzvah of תלית and תפילין? נערינו וזקנים ונלך, בצוננו וקראנו ונלך. Here Rabbi Nachman is hinting to two specific mitzvot, which are a major source of joy for every Jew, and have a major power to arouse the whole world. And those are the mix of Talit and Tefillin. The thing is, we do it every day, and you get used to it, and you don't begin to, uh, what's it called, respect it and, and uh, appreciate the, the value of this, uh, these two amazing mitzvot. So it's a hint here, we skipped, because a Nar is, a, is after Bar Mitzvah, Nar is a lad, he's a teenager. Zaken is an older, both of them have the mitzvah, what's common with a Nar and a Zaken? They both were Talit and Tefillin. Ben and Bat, they don't wear Talit and Tefillin, okay? Okay, there's, you can say to me there's many other mitzvahs they also don't do. But in Bakar and Son is hinted to nicely the mitzvah Tzitzit and Tefillin, okay? In Son and Bakar. So these mitzvahs have a power to really arouse, okay? We wake up the old people and the young people and we, we wake them up, we can wake them up through the Nelech, through the Son and Bakar, through the Talit and Tefillin. And so he said, see, V'zeh Bechinat Malchut Malbish Netzachot Yisrael. What is the regular meaning of it? What is this proof? We said, we're in it this many times. No. He said, um, Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, Paro asked him, who's Miva Mialchim? You want to go to sacrifice? No problem. Who's going? So Moshe says, we're all going. Our lads, our old, old ones, our children, our sons and daughters, all of our sheep, all of the sheep and all of the cattle, they're all going. Everybody's going. Because we don't know what Hashem, how much is gonna, how much animals is gonna want for us to sacrifice, and also because it's Chag Hashem like we saw in the Megala, the Megala Mukotzan of Shlomo, that Hashem wants us to be happy, and like it says in the in the Megillat Esther, there's a mitzvah. Rashi says that on Purim you gather together families to celebrate together. You saw that in Rashi, Mishte v'Yom Tov. Rashi says there, Kol Mishpacha Mishpacha. There is a mitzvah for the families to get together and eat the Seudah to Purim together. The whole idea of Purim is like this, when he, this, this, so this stage. What is trying to prove? He's trying to prove that when you do something, you it arouses all of, of the levels. Arizal says that all of these things, Na'arim, Zekanim, Banim, Banot, Sonubakar, they represent all the ten Sirot. Uh, all the ten Sirot in all the universes. So in this verse, it's hinted that everyone wakes up. Through the midst of the sun. Yeah, I see. Nelech, Nelech, the idea of ne- that Moshe Benu says we're going to go. And Rabbi Nachman is saying is that the mitzvah goes to arouse. He's going to prove soon how halicha awakens. He's going to show, he's going to bring soon proof text to that, okay? V'zibichinat, malchut malbish netzachod yesod. This thing of arousing the creation is what we call malchut, dressing up the three sefirot called netzachod yesod. Shehem kle halicha. Netzachod yesod, they correspond to the ambulatory organs, which are the legs. The right leg, the, the left leg, and the reproductive organ in the middle. Those are like the lower part of the body. Those are the legs. Legs are used to walk. What do you use legs for? Legs are for going. I go from place to place. I don't have legs for, okay? Going, Rabbi Nachman interprets as arousal. Wakes up. In this verse, it says, Nelech. Waking up, waking up. So he says, the idea of waking up the legs in the Kabbalah is that Malchut goes up a level. When, Mal, when Malchut now has been extracted from the evil, the next stage is that Malchut gets everyone to wake up to serve Hashem. How, so what is that called in Kabbalistic terminology? That Malchut 
dresses up Netzachod Yesod. It's a garment. The Malchut is the Simcha, by the way. The Simcha now enclothes the legs, so it gets them to move, to dance, to be happy in doing mitzvot, okay? Mitzvot b'simcha is the malchut. Now it goes up a level to the legs to get now the mitzvot to get moving. You know, it's, it's moving the world. Your bracha moves worlds. Miami Boys Choir, they used to have a song, right? We need you, we need your tefillah each and every year. You remember the song? It's before you guys were born, okay? The song from 30 years ago, Miami Boys Choir. We need your davening. Every, every word you dab, we, we count. So don't talk in davening. It was like a song. Don't talk, just daven. It's a song from Miami Boys Choir 30, 40 years ago, okay? In other words, everything counts. Everything you're doing makes a difference. What Chabad did was amazing, that the Baba Trebi went out to get people to do mitzvot, to show that there's a value in your mitzvot. We need your mitzvot. We need your mitzvot. That's a big thing, okay? That's what he's saying here, that you have an arousal of the mitzvot, okay? This is malchut dressing netzachot yesod. It's addressing because the simcha is coming from an external level, malchut. Netzachot yesod, it's not yet part of them to be happy. It's now thanks to a mitzvah that was just released from the klipot, because someone did it b'simcha, it goes up a level now to get the world aroused. So Benachman calls that, that Malchut is dressing up Netzach or Yisrael, which are the ability records. I think we'll stop here. I know we didn't get that far, but visit Hashem, at least we'll prepare for the next section, wherever that's going to be, visit Hashem. We should be zochat to fulfill this. Do the mitzvot. Be-sim-cha. Be-zat-ashem. Yeah. Record. Safe.